Welcome. Thank you for uh, joining me, and uh, either in person or out on the uh, screen. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, something that uh, I've just kind of entered into. Uh, part of my uh, work uh, here and outside is in spiritual direction. And in spiritual direction, there are various practices that we uh, kind of help people do. And the purpose of these practices is, is uh, I'd like to, to make the analogy of when you play a sport, you have to practice certain fundamentals. And uh, you can't just go into the uh, game and kind of learn as you go. Uh, to a certain extent, you have to have some fundamentals down in order to sorry, in order to be able to engage in that. And uh, so I'm going to give you a fundamental here uh, called Emmanuel Journaling. And uh, basically, all of the, the fundamentals in uh, spiritual direction are related to a uh, basic practice of listening. And so there's uh, a couple of uh, things about listening that I want to go through first as a kind of introduction to this. And uh, let me just also say that uh, Emmanuel Listening was developed by uh, a group of, uh, well, primarily a uh, woman who is uh, a marriage family therapist, licensed marriage family therapist. In her, in her practice, she dealt with a lot of uh, people with trauma. And so it was a method by which she sought to help people with trauma. And trauma is very common. Uh, everybody has trauma. And uh, we're going to go through a little bit of that. And you're going to see that uh, sometimes we have this idea that trauma is something dramatic. But really, whenever something hurts you, that's trauma. Yeah. And that, that is something that uh, you may not think it's uh, anything when you compare it to others, but it is. It's important to you, and you need to deal with it, and you're invited to deal with it. So let me, but first of all, let me go through listening, okay? There's three elements to listening. The first element is facts. Okay, so when we listen to someone or we listen to ourselves, we listen for facts, we listen for information. And that's the, sometimes that's all we listen for when we're look, looking at pe people. But really there's, there's a couple more elements that, that are necessary to truly listen to someone. And the next one is emotions. That in addition to hearing the facts, it, there's needs to be a sensitivity to the emotions that the that the person is communicating with those facts or as they're speaking their tone of voice uh, just a lot of other things and then these next two elements are more involved with taking the facts and emotions and kind of formulating wh what you see in the person so the next element is values. So 
given the facts and emotions that the person is sharing, what, is, what are some of the values perhaps that that person is exhibiting or conveying? And these last two elements, you're gonna see that they aren't necessarily something that you can do with one conversation. That, that it's gonna take uh, a continued connection or continued relationship. And so, and the last one is to be able to identify tensions. And when, uh, when you're in a counseling situation, if you're in a counseling situation, what you're basically asked to do is listen to all four levels at once, which is very difficult, okay? And it gets frustrating and you uh, don't really have a sense of really having been with that person. And so I believe part of what God has created us all to do is to be in fellowship and community. Because there's certain people who have a propensity to be able to catch one of these four elements. So there are certain people, they don't necessarily, uh, they listen to the facts and emotions, but immediately they start to see values in what that person values. Or they listen to what that person is saying, the description, and they immediately see the tension. And perhaps it's the way in which they say it, their nonverbal things, they're very attuned to that. And so I believe that's the beauty of being in community, that when someone's sharing, you have people that can listen at different and provide different elements to that. And I believe that's important because to be really heard and really be seen is to be able to be be heard and seen on all four of these elements, in all four of these levels. So let me uh, also, uh, we could spend a whole lot of time on just listening, but I'm gonna uh, uh, assume that you can uh, go through this on your own. But one practice I suggest in my in spiritual direction is to take a passage of scripture and use look to see if you can identify all four levels of it. Like facts is very, pretty simple, or, you know, it's there. Uh, Costa's wonderful messages on giving you all kinds of facts about it. So if you wanna hear one of his messages on that passage, that's great. The emotion is a little more tricky perhaps, but I believe when, with the facts, like when Kotsky's uh, the historical background, you can catch some of the emotion, maybe, of what's going on in, in the writer or in the listener or just what's happening. And from that, you can, you can kind of determine if you read those scriptures in context and, and create a narrative, you're gonna be able to see what's the values of the people. And lastly, as you look at those values, you're gonna be able to see where the tensions are coming from. Because normally what is, a tension comes when a value is being resisted or not being uh, seen or appreciated, and that creates tension and conflict. So in the Bible, one of the most common, I believe, uh, emotions or situations is this 
trauma. And the research done by this woman, uh, she came up with an acronym, uh, SAD. And the uh, acronym stands for, S is scared. So whenever someone is in trauma, there's an element of fear. A stands for alone. So a person in trauma feels alone. And D stands for despair, that they don't see any hope. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean depression, but it can mean just a state of saying, this will never get better. And I, I don't see, I'm, uh, I'm a victim of this, and I just gotta learn how to cope with this, that there's no way that this is ever gonna change. And really, the elements of trauma are addressed in a lot of passages in the Bible. Uh, someone once told me that uh, do not fear is stated over 300 times in the Bible. And so if God is stating do not fear, he's recognizing that there are things that we can be afraid of. And the uh, do not fear is often followed or sometimes followed by the statement for I am with you. So that's the aloneness that God addresses the aloneness of being in fear, right? And then the despair, whenever God speaks, there's always an opportunity to be able to make a change. He invites, he invites something to change, something to either be repented of or something to be stepped into, but there's always an element of change. It may not be big, it may be very small, but it's an element of, I don't just see you where you are and gonna leave you there. I'm gonna provide you an opportunity to make a difference. And, uh, you know, there, there was a uh, survey, I guess, done by uh, this app called UVerse, and uh, it's an online Bible app, and they, uh, kept statistics for 2022 of what was the most bookmarked, shared, uh, and uh, highlighted, made notes of verse in the Bible. And the most, the one for 2022 was Isaiah 41:10. And so I wanted to to look at that. So Isaiah 41 says 10 says, "Do not yield to fear." Okay first element of trauma, fear, right? For I am always with you. Second element, aloneness, right? That you aren't alone. And then it says, never turn your gaze from me, for I'm your faithful God. I will infuse you with my strength and help you in every situation. I will hold you firmly with my victorious right hand an answer to despair, that, that he can make a difference. In fact, he will give you strength to make a difference. So what I wanted to do was kind of go through uh, a
practice that can help you incorporate those elements in your relationship with God. And it's called Emmanuel Journaling. Uh, it's not mine. Uh, uh, there's a, uh, it's taken from a book called Joyful Journey. And I have a worksheet that is copyrighted. And so the next portion of this element is out of that worksheet. So this is the legal disclaimer that I'm not taking credit for this. Uh, if you would like a copy of the, of the worksheet, I have some physical copies that, that I can give you after this. Come see me. If you are online and that's not gonna be possible, or if you would rather have a digital copy, if you will give me your email, I will be glad to send you a digitized copy, okay? So with that disclaimer, let me go through what Emmanuel journaling is, okay? There's two basic elements to Emmanuel journaling. Uh, the first is, it is the idea of what is termed as interactive gratitude. And interactive gratitude is uh, where when someone says thank you to you, right? Uh, I've been trained by my mother and father to say, always say you're welcome. But there could be other responses that really interact with that thank you. And uh, if you really are receiving a gift, you would probably come up with a better thing of uh, when someone says thank you, you would say, well, I'm glad you received it, or I'm, I'm so glad I could do this for you, right? And so the idea is when you're journaling and you're thanking God for something, how would he respond to that thanks? And I believe part of it, the way he would say is not you're welcome, but I'm so glad I could do this for you, or I knew you needed this, and I'm glad I was able to, that, to, that you were able to receive it from me. That's the interactive gratitude. So what you would do in your journal is you would write, I thank you God for giving me a wonderful wife. And you, I would spend time with that and say, okay, well, what would God say in response to that? And he would say, and be, I gave you a wonderful wife to help you know that you are wonderfully loved, that she is my gift to you to show my love to you. And I would write that as, I feel like God, you're saying this, okay? And you write it in your journal. And I'm gonna to skip to the, the end part of this, but what you're gonna do with these two elements is you're gonna share them with somebody. So that statement I made, if I shared it with my wife, I'm sure she would be very happy, right? So that's a natural thing. But there may be other, somebody else who you feel safe with that you would share it with. And that's an important part of Emmanuel journaling because Emmanuel journaling is designed for us to see that God is with us. And to be able to see that God is with us, if you think back over the, the story in Luke, God announced it to shepherds and they came to see the baby Jesus. So it wasn't just Mary and Joseph who's, who were able to enjoy the birth of Jesus. There were other people 
And so Emmanuel journaling has that idea of it's meant to be shared. The other thing is in, in uh, research and things, when you uh, go through therapy for trauma, one of the things the therapist often does is they have you share what the event was, what you remember about the event and describing the event. And what that is, is to address the aloneness part and to, to know that you aren't the only one who's experiencing that, that now that you've shared it with me, I can experience it with you and be there with you. And I believe that's part of being able to share your journal is to be able to see that, well, it's not just me and God, it's me and God and other people. And there are other people that can enter into that journey. So that's uh, the manual journaling. The next part of manual journaling, uh, the th part two is uh, basically what's called thought rhyming. And thought rhyming is coming from the Hebrew way of poetry. Uh, you know, in, in English poetry, we rhyme words, and that's how we can identify a poem. In Hebrew uh, literature, the way that the structure is to identify a poetic uh, passage is if there's one thought, and then the next thought builds on that thought. And so that there, there's a, a building or a, a rhyming of thoughts, okay? So there's, there's a couple ways that that can be done. And first way is uh, to, to be able to, to uh, write when about when God, when you share something that God, what you think God sees. So maybe you write something like, God, I feel so scared. And maybe inside of you, there's, your heart is pumping. And so what you would write is that, God, I know you see my heart pumping. Or, God, I see that you see my hands in, in tension. Okay? So it's observing the uh, physical sensations, maybe, that, that you are... Uh, Experiencing So some of the examples in the worksheet is about sighing, right? When you, when you write something and you're, you wind up sighing, that would be something you would enter into. God, you see that. Uh, shoulders bent, uh, eyes filling with tears, head in your hands, wincing in pain, hands raised in worship, okay, or kneeling, whatever, whatever the physical sensation is. Next thing is to think about that God can hear you, that God does hear you. And maybe sometimes when you write something, immediately the thought that you hear in your head is some of these thoughts. Like maybe you hear, how will I ever get everything done? Okay? And you would write that, God, you hear that that you hear me saying that, that you're there with me in that. Or why isn't my spouse helping me and caring me about this, right? Or it doesn't have to be your spouse, maybe it's in work that I'm on, nobody appreciates my work, okay? And to, to be able to 
have those thoughts as realizing that even though you didn't write it down, God heard it. And so now you can write it down and says, God, you hear this in me. Uh, how can my family manage while I'm away? Or I'm not prepared for my presentation. That's kind of what I was going through my head just before I spoke here. And so, or how can my, uh, or how can my family manage while I'm away? I guess I repeat myself. So that's, I can hear you. The next thing is, um, I understand how you feel about this. So God sees the impact and intensity of this for you. So we, he would say, I understand how significant this is for you. So maybe you write something, but you can't put enough very, very, varies to really express it. But God sees the intensity of it and wants to, you to know that he understands how you feel about it. So you write that. Or it feels all-consuming and overwhelming. Or it, it brings back memories of a, of a, a place where something uh, traumatic happened, like a divorce, right? Or something saddening me or something frightening, okay? Or it makes you angry. But also there can be good things, like if, if you're writing about something that is really a wonderful thing that you enjoyed, that you, sometimes you, you don't have the words, but you can know that God feels that to the, the way you feel it, and you can write that. Thank you that you, even though I can't put this in words, that you feel it with me. And you would write that, okay? The other, and the other th thing about thought rhyming you could do is remembering that God would say, I'm glad to be with you, okay? So it would be where uh, you would hear God say things like, I'm glad to be with you always. Or with tenderness, I see your weakness. Or uh, I'm glad that we can interact with you anytime, including this moment of frustration, anger, pain, sadness, confusion, and then in the positive, in your joy and in your delight. That, that God just wants us to be where we are. And, and be there to be able to connect with us. He's not asking us to change what we feel. He's asking us to share what we feel. And from that, to know that there's hope. And that's what uh, the last part of this thought rhyming is, is I can do something about what you are going through. So it, it would be about what might God be saying about He'll be with you and help you in. So he could be saying something, I can do something about this with and for you. Or I will strengthen you with my grace. Or remember how your friend encouraged you last week. So maybe bringing in, in awareness that the, your friend's encouragement was God's gift to you, to be able to, to know that he's with you. Or remember the ways that you've been, I've been with you in the past, okay? And to write those down. So in summary, let me 
kind of close this well. The, so the, in summary, it's, it's important that we read the results aloud to a prayer friend. That a journal, especially manual journaling, is not just for your sake alone, but it's meant to be shared. Because in the sharing is actually where the robustness of doing the practice turns out, okay? It's like when you're practicing basic skills, but it's in the game when you're using those skills that you experience the real fruit of that practice. And so in Emmanuel journaling, there's, there's the practice, but the fruit of it is being able to share with other people and being in, in that. So uh, according to scripture, we are assured he sees, hears, understands, cares, is glad to be with us, and will be moved on our behalf, which is what that Isaiah 41, 10 said, right? I'm, do not fear, do not yield to fear. I'm with you, and I'm gonna strengthen you, and I'm gonna help you, okay? I thought of this as, uh, well, it's called Emmanuel uh, journaling, but I thought of it in terms of Mary. So Mary during, uh, as we celebrate the Advent season, carried God within her. And God was growing within her during that time. And what Emmanuel journaling is, is basically knowing that God is within us and around us and always with us and his desire is to grow in that within us. And so we're, we're called to be like Mary, to be able to, to just not necessarily uh, do something to make God grow, but just to be able to hold God and yield to God and allow him to have the space to grow. And uh, there's an exercise that I give to people too that hopefully will help be helpful. And so I would invite you to, to do this exercise with me, okay? And the exercise is this. If you take your left hand, okay, imagine that as you, okay? And your right hand is God, okay? And what God does always is he comes down and he embraces the left hand. However, the left hand has an opportunity to, to just stay like this and just let God hold, hold them or to embrace back. And what God is asking in Emmanuel's journaling is that we start to learn how to embrace back and we start to, to be able to, to have the connection and the relationship that God wants for us because he wants to be together with us. So I thought uh, it was wonderful that uh, Guy asked me about a song that, to kind of close this. So I would invite us to hear the words of this song because I think it really summarizes what Emmanuel journaling is. So the, Worship team want to come forward, and if you feel like you can rise, that's fine.
But I would invite you as you're singing this song or as you're worshiping with this song to imagine that God is holding you and then reflect on, well, are you gonna, are you gonna hold, embrace back or are you just gonna just be there? And either way, God doesn't leave, right? That once he holds you, he does not let go and he won't let go. But we won't experience the goodness of that until we respond back. So 